0: Welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast bringing biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and put into practice. I'm Gwen DeSelm, and it is my pleasure to be your host for these moments together. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church, Today, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a weekly blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. Well, as we continue our teaching series on Joseph, we find this young man locked away in prison. After all the abuse he endured, it would make complete sense if we found Joseph to be bitter and angry. Instead, he allowed God to use this season of hardship to shape his character. Let's join Dave and see what God may want to say to you about making your prison a training time.
1: Let's get our Bibles out, shall we, and open them up to Genesis, Genesis chapter 39. The story is told of a middle-aged couch potato who received a gift from his wife. And the gift was uh, private workout sessions in a health club. And uh, what a great gift. His trainer was Tanya, a 26-year-old aerobic instructor and athletic clothing model. Think about that. The man documented his workout in a diary, day one. Started the morning at 6 a.m., Tough to get up, but worth it when I arrived at the health club. There was Tanya. She's something of a goddess with blonde hair and a dazzling smile. Tanya was very encouraging as I did my sit-ups, though my gut was already aching from holding it in while I was standing next to her. (laughs) This is going to be great. Day two. Took a whole pot of coffee to get me out the door, but I made it. Tanya had me lie on my back and push this heavy iron bar up in the air. And then she put some weights on it. (laughs) Legs were a little wobbly on the treadmill, but I made it. Her smile made it all worthwhile. Day three. The only way I can brush my teeth is by laying the toothbrush on the counter and moving my mouth back and (laughs) forth over it. Driving was okay, as long as I didn't try to steer... Tanya was a little impatient with me and said that my screaming was bothering the other health club members. Day 4. Tanya was waiting with for me with her vampire teeth and full snarl. I can't help it if I was a half hour late it took me that long just to tie my shoes. Then I hid in the men's room until she sent Biff looking for me. Day 5. I hate Tanya. <laughs> I hate Tanya more than any human being has ever hated any other human being in the history of the world. If there was any part of my body not in extreme pain, I would hit her with it. Tanya thought it would be a good idea if I'd work my triceps. Well, I have news for you, Tanya. I don't have any triceps, they fell off two days ago. Day six. Got Tanya's message on my answering machine wondering where I was. She'll never know. Last night, I lacked the strength to use a TV remote control, so I watched seven straight hours of the Weather Channel. (laughs) Day seven. Well, that's the week. The gift certificate is mercifully exhausted, as am I. Next year, maybe my wife will give me something a little more fun, like a root canal or a kidney stone. (laughs) My guess is you'll never meet Tanya, but it could very well be that you've met someone like Tanya. You had the teacher who drilled you. You had the coach who pushed you. You had the band director who challenged you. You had the drill sergeant who all but killed you. You know what it's like to be pushed. What's behind the sadistic mindset of these individuals? Is there a method in their meanness? There really is. Somewhere along the line, these folks learned that tough tests toughen people. Joseph never knew Tanya either. But long before any coach blew a whistle or any band director blew into a, shouted into a megaphone, God was in the business of strengthening people. And Joseph is a case study. If you've been with us through this series, you know that he was only 17 years old when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Down he went into Egypt and there he ended up in the household of a man named Potiphar, while there, Joseph made his way through the ranks, probably taking 10 years to develop to the place where he became the head steward. But though he came to become head steward in Potiphar's household, the downside was that he began to attract the attention of Potiphar's wife. She tried to seduce him, and Joseph, to his credit, stood strong. But the woman, scorned and now humiliated, determined to get her vengeance. She accused him of rape. And Joseph ended up in prison. In the 39th chapter that you've opened your Bibles to, we pick it up looking at verses 19 and 20. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Joseph had done everything right, he'd stood tall for God. He'd stood strong against temptation. He'd honored his Lord, and yet he still ended up in prison with no hope of parole. Surely he's wondering, what's going on? Where's God in all of this? As I look out at you, I've talked with so many of you, and it seems like this is such hard times for so many fellowshipers because some of you know what this is like. Many of you in this room have done everything right But life has turned out so wrong. You went to school, you got your degree, but you can't get a job. Or maybe you worked the job and you worked it with integrity and with honesty and you got laid off and lost that job. Others of you in this room know what it's like to stand strong morally only to be dumped by your boyfriend or girlfriend when you don't give them what they wanted. Perhaps you prayed for children, but the nursery is still empty. Perhaps you raised a child only to watch him or her walk away from God. And it's just hard now. It's hard. In many ways, life can feel so like a prison. I've talked with some of you, and your marriage is a prison. You're trying to love well, and to serve well, and to give well. And you receive so little in return it's just hard. And there are some of you, and I know this is very difficult. You had hoped to grow old with your spouse, but now their memory is fading and their recognition is going. And indeed, you will grow old together, but only one of you will know what day of the week it is. Prison-like experiences that make life so hard. How do we explain these things? When you try to do what's right and things turn out so wrong, how do you explain them? Gently. Gently. None of us can comprehend God's ways. We need to be done with sweeping statements and dogmatic declarations at times like this. But we do need to lean back on God's character and to understand his presence. The last time we talked, we talked a lot about his presence. And that key verse we got out of that was at the end of verse 20. While Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. This morning, I want to remind you again that God is with you where you are in your prison. But beyond the fact that God is with us, he also wants to do something in us that ultimately he might do something through us. God is with us He wants to do something in us that he might do something through us. For the believer, the prison you find yourself in is not without purpose. There is one who does all things well, and even your prison has purpose. We know this because of Joseph being referred to in another section of the Bible. From Psalm 105, there in prison... They bruised Joseph's feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his word. The Lord tested Joseph's character. The key word there is the word tested. You could also use the word trained, matured, developed, strengthened, integral to God's plan for Joseph in the future was Joseph's training time in the present. Joseph was being trained for something quite amazing. We've seen how the story ends. We know that at long last, after more than 20 years, Joseph will become the second in command over all Egypt. He will be responsible for the food distribution to a famine-starved world. This will be Joseph's responsibility. It would require wisdom, courage, courage, Hacked. Where did Joseph learn all that? Where would Joseph become skilled in his capacity to lead at that level? He didn't go to school. He didn't read a book. He didn't attend a seminar. He underwent training in a difficult prison. It was in that prison where Joseph was developed, where he learned where we grew in discernment where we stood strong with courage that's where you develop those traits the training began verse 21 the lord was with him he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden so the warden put joseph in charge of all those in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now we need to read between the lines here, but picture yourself in Joseph's sandals. He's in prison on trumped-up charges. He's been there in Egypt for over a decade already. He's struggling. What's God doing? What's happening to me? And then he's given the responsibility or the offer to be responsible for all of those in prison. What could Joseph have said? Forget it. You know, it's one thing to lead in Potiphar's household. Tried that, that didn't work. Now you want me to lead some guys in prison? Not gonna do it, not gonna do it. One of the greatest dangers when you become in a prison-like situation is to fold your arms and determine, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm gonna endure this thing I'm just going to sit and I'm going to sulk and hope that pretty soon I get released, but don't expect anything from me while I'm here. Friends, that's not what Joseph did. He didn't complain. He didn't simply sit and sulk. When he was given an opportunity, he took it. The task wasn't one that necessarily Joseph wanted. Perhaps he even sensed it was beneath him. But he had a chance to serve while in prison. And I want you to know something. One of the best ways for you to handle a prison-like experience is to determine that you're going to help others while you're there. Are you facing the challenge of divorce? How might God have you, give you an opportunity to serve others? Are you facing the loss of a spouse? How might God want to use you to help others? Part of your development for your future is how you handle your prison in the present. And handling that prison doesn't simply mean enduring it. It means looking for opportunities to give and serve and love while you're in it. When you're given an opportunity, take it. Look for ways to serve while you're going through hard times. Not only will you find yourself developing, but you might just find your whole attitude changing. God has an amazing way to do things in you, even as you do things for others while you're in prison. Don't let the smallness of the task, don't let the humiliating nature of the opportunity keep you from doing something. You say, but I used to be able to do this and now all I get to do is that. That's true. But what if God has something to develop in you? What if God is doing something through you? Don't call the task too small. See what God might do. Isn't it not true? God watches the way we do the small things before he gives us opportunities for big things. How might you have a future based upon your present? How did Joseph ever become one? who succeeded as minister of Egypt? He succeeded in a kitchen in Potiphar's household. He succeeded in a dungeon in the king's prison. He cared for prisoners before he cared for the nations. Let others grumble about their prison. Let others simply sit and sulk. You look for something to do. You look for someone to serve and see if maybe God might do something in and through you.
0: You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will be back in just a moment with the rest of his message. But if you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to subscribe and leave us a review, and then share this podcast with your friends and family. If you'd like to support us in this ministry, just go to davedeselmministries.org and click on the Donate button. Dave Cell Ministries is here to resource everyday pastors as they seek to equip everyday people to become everyday disciples. One of the resources we offer is coaching. DDM coaching groups bring the coaching relationship into the small group setting. It's a personal space where conversation can take place, relationships can be formed, and hope and help discovered. Coaching groups are for lead pastors, associate pastors, and other ministry leaders who want to grow in their capacity as disciples and disciple-makers. It's a safe place to discuss some of the unique challenges you're facing as leaders with someone who's a bit further down the road of ministry. Dave Desell Ministries also offers personal coaching, allowing pastors and leaders to receive individualized, practical guidance from Dave on the issues that they are facing. If you'd like to learn more about coaching, go to ministries.org or email us at info at ministries.org. Now let's get back to Dave and the rest of the story of Joseph.
1: Chapter 40 begins with Joseph meeting some people in prison. So, sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they'd been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meeting of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad? We both had dreams, they answered, and there's no one to interpret them. It's striking to me that the first words that we read that Joseph spoke in prison were words of compassion. Rather than focusing on his own situation, the first words we read here were words of, how can I help you? I sense that you're having a struggle here. How might I be of service? He didn't simply look to himself. He looked to help others. Do you think that compassion would be a great character quality if you're going to distribute food to the world? Absolutely. Where did Joseph learn it? By being compassionate in prison with these men here. It was the compassion that Joseph showed those individuals that one day served him well in the future in another way. Because when the cupbearer eventually was restored to his position, he ultimately remembered Joseph's kindness. You never know the kind of relationships that can happen while you're in your prison. And many times those relationships will be deepened when you show compassion to somebody. Here's your point. When you see a hurt, address it. When you see a hurt, address it. There will come those moments where you have to decide, am I simply going to be focused on how badly I hurt? Or can I in this moment look at how someone else is hurting and meet their needs as well? No one knows the pain of prison like a fellow prisoner No one's words of compassion are more welcomed than a fellow sufferer. Let's continue on. Let's see what happens. We both had dreams, verse 8, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you'll put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me, and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, "I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets." of bread in the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for pharaoh but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head this is what it means joseph said the three basket or three baskets are three days within three days pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh now the third day was pharaoh's birthday and he gave a feast for all the officials He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials, and he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hands, but he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And we'll come back to that verse there next week. But there's another point I want you to see in Joseph's training time, and it's this. Joseph shows us that when you need to demonstrate courage, you need to show it. It's striking to me the courage that Joseph showed to give not only the good news, but the bad news. Do you see that? Everyone loves to give good news, but there are times when courage would demand that you have to give some bad news. Joseph is being trained for the ultimate challenge when he'll face that. As we'll see in a week or two, when he is given an audience with Pharaoh, Pharaoh will have had a dream. And Joseph will have to have the courage to not only say to Pharaoh, there'll be seven years of feasting. He will also say to Pharaoh, and there'll be seven years of famine. In that day, you don't tell an Oriental monarch bad news. Typically, the bad news, well, they shoot the messenger. Where would Joseph get the courage to stand in front of Pharaoh? He got it because he had the courage to make a tough call while in prison. You will have opportunities, even in your difficult situations, when you must stand tall. You must stand tall. I'm reminded of the story of my son, Jim. Jim was in a, Jim is now doing a theater up in Chicago. And, uh, he loves it and uh, doing really well. But he began his theater at Memorial Park School. He went through the arts program there in the magnet school, and uh, I still remember the day when Jim came and we picked him up, and his face was really downcast. And he was in his very first play, and uh, I said, "But buddy, what's 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 wrong?" And he said, "Dad, they're asking me to say a bad word in the play." I said, "Really?" It was a play about the Holocaust, and he was a child in the Warsaw Ghetto, and he was supposed to say, those planes are so low, you can see the damn swastikas. And Jim said, Dad, I don't think I should say that word. And I just thought, what do you think is going to happen, buddy? He was all of seventh grade, and he began to cry. He said, maybe they'll kick me out of the play. I said, well, what do you think God would have you do? And he said, I'm going to have to speak with my teacher and tell him I cannot say that word. The whole next day, I'm praying like crazy. This little kid is going to go confront his drama coach. Jim walks up. The next day after school, I pick him up, and I'm trying to read his expressions, and he walked up to my car and went... (laughs) I said, what happened? And he said... Well, I asked us to speak with him. He said, sir, I'm a Christian, and I can't say that word. And the drama coach said, young man, you don't have to say that word. Later, the drama coach called Gwen and I, and he said, I've never seen a young man have that kind of courage before, that he would risk losing his very first drama job because he wouldn't say a word. Jim learned courage as a seventh grader. Do you think he's gonna need courage now doing theater in Chicago? Yeah. Where does one learn courage? You learn it in the little things. You learn it in the small challenges before you ever have to do it in the big things. Joseph is a picture to us, friends, of an individual who showed that you can be trained even in difficult times. When you have a prison-like experience, look for someone to serve. Look for something to do. Be a part of the development not only of your present, but of your future. When you're in your prison, look for compassion to share. Many times, fellow prisoners are desperate to know, does anybody else hurt like I hurt? Who could you show compassion to? And finally, recognize this. In your difficult situations, you will not lack for opportunities to show courage. As Joseph showed all three of these qualities, the development grew to when the time came that he became Prime Minister of Egypt. He was ready. He'd gone through his training time. And my prayer is that we'll all be ready too, because you know what? Greater challenges are yet to come. But it's not simply what God might want to do in you. It might also be what God might want to do through you. I love the way the message renders Second Corinthians chapter 1. God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Maybe this tough time you're going through has nothing to do with you. It has to do with how others are watching you and how you can come alongside them and comfort them just as you've been comforted.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave.com at Dave Ministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.